Let me pray us in real quick before I get started. Oh, Father, we love you. As always, God, we thank you for this season, this Christmas season, God, where we get to remember your son, Jesus. Father, we get to put him in front of our faces, Father. Help us to see the real reason for this season, God, is your son, that he's with us, that he's inside of us, that we have access to him in relationship, God. Lord, help us to become more and more and more aware of that, Father, so you can transform us more into your likeness, God, and we can experience an ever deeper relationship with Jesus. Everybody said. All right, let's turn to, I'm going to open with some scripture. Let's go Revelation chapter 21. I'm just going to read this to start. I'm not really going to get into it, but I want to read it to start my sermon. Revelation 21. We're going to go one through four. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither, there sh- neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Who's excited for that? So, Today's the first series, um, first sermon in our series of Advent. Now, what Advent is, I want to first explain that big overview. So, historically speaking, Advent is a time where we acknowledge and focus on the coming of Christ. Advent is a time of waiting. You see, so often, not so often, always in America, we focus on all the, like, the light bulbs, the glittery trees, the Christmas lights. It's like all of the amazing things, right? We want to like put, be in denial about the reality of our circumstance. But Advent is all about being honest with where we're at, acknowledging where we are, right? So there's two Advents. There's one that was the pre-Christ's birth. Did you hear that? This was the waiting time before Jesus came for the first time. Then there's the second advent, which is where we're at right now, and that's us awaiting his second coming, the final coming of Christ. Okay? So we're currently living in an advent season, right? And then there's an advent season that was before Jesus came and was born in a manger, right? Christmas. The problem I want to present today, and this is the problem I hope you guys take home and you acknowledge as a Christian, is we have to be a people that are willing to live in reality, I know we all think that we live in reality, but oftentimes what happens is people get saved, things don't go exactly how they think they should, and they start shaking their fist at God or thinking they don't have enough faith or something else. They're living outside of reality of where we are in our current circumstance. The reality is Jesus has not come finally to wipe away every tear yet. That's hard for us to hear, that's hard for us to acknowledge, but that's the truth. See, Fleming Rutledge says this, a Christian does not ignore death and pain, but looks into it with the hope of Christ. Did you hear that? Now, what's funny, though, is my own personal story, and I think mom and dad can freely admit this now, is when I grew up, 
we grew up on, under predominantly a lot of prosperity preaching. You guys heard of prosperity preaching? Yes? The problem with that was is it caused such like a hurt and a void in my own life because whenever something went wrong and it wasn't instantly fixed, for instance, someone gets cancer and they still died and we prayed for them, my spirit was crushed. I had held God in this high esteem of like, if we pray and we do all these things and we follow this formula, then he's going to move on our behalf every single time and there is no pain. But the reality was, when I looked around, that wasn't what was happening. Now, I'm not saying always. God does move, God does heal. I believe in all that. But hear me, that's not always how he works right now. So as a Christian, I have to look at reality and pain and suffering in the face with the hope of Christ, right? Knowing one day he will come and wipe every tear, but he hasn't yet. I know this is kind of depressing. (laughs) That's not my intent. I promise you there's joy on the other side of this. But I want us to be people that are based and grounded in the reality of what the Scripture teaches. Not the reality of what we wish Scripture taught. Here's what we wish Scripture taught. Oh, now that I'm a Christian, man, I'm going to get an awesome job. I'm going to find a wife right away. I'm never going to get sick, and if I do, I'm just going to go in my prayer closet and pray, and it's going to go away. Right? That's what we want. Right? Now, here's the thing. A lot of times that stuff happens. Hear me. Hear me. It does. But it's in God's hands, in God's timing. You know what God's trying to get out of you? Trust. He's trying to get trust and faith because he wants real relationship with you. Sometimes the worst thing that you need is a better job. Sometimes the worst thing that you could possibly need is a person that you could marry right now. Because you're not ready for marriage. You're not ready for that person he's molding for you. Hear me? Yes. So let me kind of, I want to kind of break down, like, why are we in this season of waiting? I want to break down. So the first advent. In the beginning, God created man and woman. We talked about this at my KC this week. God in his trinity, the three of them, you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are in perfect harmony with one another. They are living in paradise. They do not need us humans on earth. We understand that. He wanted us. He doesn't need us. Yep, so, but he wanted us, and he, he, he made us in a way, in his sovereignty, he, had, he has the ability, in his great power, to make a people that are free to choose him or not choose him. And that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He made a people, he said, I want you to be in relationship with me, I want you to trust me. But guess what happened? Man fell, right? Man fell, he chose selfishness over relationship and trust in God. Now, a lot of people think, like, I always love the statement, I'm mad at Adam and Eve, right? No, no, you are Adam and Eve. Understand, that's a representation of who we are. We are bent towards selfishness. We are bent towards not wanting relationship with God, right? Without Jesus, I'm not there yet. Understand, I'm trying to paint a picture of where man is. Okay, so he creates us people. We're bent towards selfishness. We choose ourselves. We want autonomy, selfishness, and everything else more than we want relationship with God. So over, geez, how long was that? 2,000-some years in the Bible, God gives us chance after chance after chance after chance to choose him. And we continually fall, say, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. We repent. No, I'm good. Back and forth continually. Till finally, 
there's a 400-year period of silence where God does not speak to his people at all. Okay, so we've sinned, we've turned our back, and this is this Advent time, this 400 years of silence. And this is what I want to flesh out. When we read these scriptures, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 64 in the message version. A lot of times we read the Old Testament and be like, oh, that's not us. That's before Jesus. No, 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 no. That is you without Jesus. Did you hear what I said? That is you and me without Jesus. See, the goodness inside of you, it says in 1 John, is actually Christ. Not in yourself. It's in Christ. He's the light. He's the life of the world. So Isaiah chapter 64 says this. I'm going to kind of go through this slow. And I want to break it down. I told myself I wouldn't read this fast because it's so good. I want you to put yourself in this passage. Okay? So we've fallen. We've chosen selfishness. We've said, no, God, we don't want relationship with you. And he's been silent for 400 years. And now here's Isaiah, a prophet, writing about the state that they're in and the state that God's in. It says this. Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and descend. Make the mountains shudder at your presence as when a forest catches fire, as when fire makes a pot to boil, to shock your enemies into facing you, make the nations shake in their boots. You did terrible things we never expected, descended and made the mountains shudder at your presence. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Does anyone recognize that, that scripture? That's actually, and Paul quotes that in 1 Corinthians. No ear heard, no eye seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who happily do what is right, who keep a good memory of the way you work. But how angry you've been with us. I'm going to stop right there. A lot of people don't like reading the Old Testament. They like reading Isaiah. They don't like reading Psalms because they see God is angry. What father could watch somebody hurt their children in evil and not be angry? I know we like to think of God as like this fairy up in the heavens that like just loves everybody and everything. No, his love is so much deeper than that. He can't stand evil. He can't stand sin. He hates it when people do evil things and hurt his children, the beloved people that he put on earth. Do we understand that? We've sinned, but how angry you've been with us. We've sinned and kept at it for so long. Remember what I said earlier, they kept, here's a chance. They fell, here's a chance, they fell. Is there any hope for us? Can we be saved? Now I want you to listen to this line. This is us without Christ. We're all sin infected, sin contaminated. Our best efforts are grease-stained rags. Here's what's fascinating. We talked about this in my KC as well. Our best efforts at doing goodness and being love without Jesus are grease-stained rags. If you think deeply a lot of times about the reason you actually do loving acts for people, a lot of times it's for your own selfish desires. Has anyone ever actually really pondered why am I doing good? Is it because I want other people to see me? Is it because it makes me feel good? You ever think about that? You know Christ does things for you, not because it makes him feel good at all, but because it makes you feel good? To love someone else outside of yourself is so much deeper than people like, think about. 
They're like, oh, I love people. I do this. They don't stop and think, why do you do that? Why do you give the $10 to the poor man? It makes me feel good. I know it's right, so it makes me feel good. I'm not saying that's all evil, but hear me. God is saying in the Bible, even our best efforts without Christ are grease-stained rags. We dry up like autumn leaves, sin-dried, we're blown off by the wind. No one prays to you or makes an effort to reach out to you because you've turned away from us, left us to stew in our sins. Still, God, you are our Father. We're the clay and you're the potter. All of us are what you made us. Don't be too angry with us, God. Don't keep a permanent account of wrongdoing. Keep in mind, please, we are your people, all of us. Your holy cities are all ghost towns. Zion's a ghost town. Jerusalem's a field of weeds. Our holy and beautiful temple, which our ancestors filled with your praises, was burned down by fire. All our lovely parks and gardens in ruins. In the face of all of this, are you going to sit there unmoved, God? Are you going to say something? And it ends like this. Haven't you made us miserable long enough? Now, here's where reading the Bible is fascinating. If you read that and you don't know the whole biblical story, you're like, oh, who wants to be a Christian? This sounds terrible. What kind of God is this? No, 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 no. See, God had a plan since the very beginning. You know, Isaiah is actually the one that also prophesied about Christ's coming. You know, God's response and God's timing wasn't exactly what they wanted, but do you guys know how he responded to that? Are you going to move or are you going to sit there? What did he do? He sent his son. He said, my people have turned away from me. They're in their sins. Their best efforts are worthless. But I love them so much that I'm going to send a baby in a manger that is me in the flesh. So, do you see the picture of the first advent? Yep, they're in waiting, they're miserable, they've been turned over to their sins, God's let them sit there and stew in it, he hasn't spoke to them, he's almost been like this, okay, see how you do well, see how you do without me. And he says right here in Isaiah, they're miserable. God answer us, and God did answer them. In a way, and here's what's fascinating about Christmas, he answered them in a way that nobody saw coming. It says in scripture, his people didn't even recognize him, his own people. So, I want to talk about the second advent. Now, this is, I'm going to call, I kind of titled this sermon, I don't know if it's anywhere, but I titled it, Hope in a World of Hopelessness. See, we're living in a second advent. The cool part about us is that we're living in a time, like we talked about this as well, my Casey, that one day heaven's going to be really sweet because we've went through this really tough world. Right, imagine just waking up in heaven. How, how special would it be? It would probably, we said it would probably still be pretty awesome, but would it be as awesome as if you struggled and went through this battle that, that God put you in, that he molded you into actually wanting him and then you go to heaven? That's gonna be so much sweeter, right? But we live in the reality, and I'm gonna kind of talk about some things. If we're honest about our situation, here's where, here's where we are. We're in the middle of a global pan- pandemic, 275,000 people have died in the United States so far. Thousands have lost their jobs and businesses. Okay, depression, anxiety, and suicide rates are all at an all-time high. 
A lot of that due to the, the pandemic and people feeling hopeless. A few just of the moral things. I'm going I'm to list some moral things, and I hope none of this offends some of you, but if it does, here's my care face. Just joking. <laughs> if you know me, you know I don't really care. Um, <laughs> Cardi B is one of the most influential musicians of our time, and she just list, uh, released a song called WAP. Has anyone heard WAP? You can be honest. Oh, look at everyone's scared to raise their hand. They're like... I'm not going to tell you what it stands for because I literally can't repeat those words, but it is one of the most crude, over-sexualized songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Everybody that I show, they can't even read through the lyrics. And this is one of the most popular, won all kinds of awards. Now, here's what you have to understand about art. Art reflects where we, at, or where we are at as a culture. It's a reflection. You don't think art teaches our children a lot more than we realize the music and the things they put in their heads? Constantly. It's one of the most popular songs out right now. Netflix literally released a movie this year that showed what I would consider child pornography. Literally 12-year-old girls shaking their butts, private parts, boobs into the camera, and we put it on Netflix. I can't believe, the people that aren't even Christians were coming against this. There were lawsuits filed. It's still up there. You know, a member of our own gym this week posted a shocking picture with him and his 18-year-old son who had um, randomly passed away. It was just awful. Ellen Page, I don't know if you guys heard this. Ellen Page, the actress from Juno, um, she recently came out and told everyone that now she's Elliot Page. She was a woman and now she's a man. We've become so obsessed with autonomy and making our own decisions that now our feelings dictate reality. We don't think about science, it's all about feelings. If I feel like I should be a woman, then I can be a woman. If I feel like I should be a man, I should be a man. Guys, our world has gone a little crazy. Has anyone recognized that? In our own congregation, the reality of where we're at, we've seen and dealt with our own grief in this congregation for the last couple of years. Traumatic surgeries in people, sickness in people, major disappointments, divorces, broken relationships. I'm not trying to be depressing. What I'm trying to get across to you is that Christ has not finally come yet. We're in a season of waiting. We're in the second season of Advent. And guys, as Christians, I'm going to say it again. A Christian does not ignore death and pain, but looks into it with the hope of Christ. So, what's our hope? If I've shown you the world, if you're not a Christian man, you can look at all the things around us, the sickness, and you can just see hopelessness. So what do we, as Christians, what is our outlook? Jesus, born in a manger. Paul says this, Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. Galatians 2.16 says this, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But guys, all the evil and the sickness and the suffering that we see in the world, we know was caused by our own sin. But now we stand as Christians knowing that Christ came into us, died on the cross for our behalf, that now Christ looks at us and guess what he sees? 
Jesus. He sees perfection. He sees his son. And he's redeeming and transforming us step by step. Uh, we talked about this. Why, can't he, why couldn't he have just come down and go, boom, everyone's perfect, no more suffering? Because he loves you so much that he wanted authentic, real relationship. He didn't want robots. He didn't want to go, boom, boom, you're transformed. Now I'm perfect. Now I'm walking as Christ did. No, 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 no. He wanted all that stuff to die off and us to see the light and to see him in his face more and more and more and actually want that relationship for ourselves, not because he made me want it. Do you see that? So our hope, listen, our hope is this. When we see trials and we see sufferings in our own life and in everyone else's lives around us, we look at it now knowing he has a purpose for it. Because that's what scripture says. Anything that happens to you, any sickness you encounter, any, any trial, any suffering, there's a thousand different versions of it that you encounter. You can look at it and know Jesus is working in this for me. He's working in it for my goodness, for my relationship. Guys, I know it still, it still sucks. We're still going to cry. It says to grieve with those that grieve, weep with those who weep. That's reality. But man, having that in the back of your head and in your heart, knowing it's for a purpose because he loves me, man, it is powerful. You have to grab that, read about it, think about it, focus on it. Always remember he loves you so much. And guys, anyone that's walked with Christ, seriously walked with Christ for a significant amount of time, will tell you how many things they've gone through and Christ has redeemed in their life. So to wrap up, I'm going to read real quick again. So we know we're in this hopeless, what seems like a hopeless world. But this is what I want us to remember this Christmas season. Guys, I, honestly, I wanted to preach this Advent stuff because I want you to have a more Christmassy Christmas. I want you to drive around listening to Christmas carols a little different. I want you to actually listen to the words. You listen to O Come. Go get in your car and listen to O Come. I mean, so many thinking about that Jesus when we're sin-infected people living in this time desperate and miserable, causing our own hell, and this little baby comes and changes everything. Those Christmas carols aren't quite the same. So I'm going to read this. This is our future. I read it in the beginning. I'm going to finish with it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared, listen to this, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Guys, when you're going through trials, he's preparing you as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying from the throne, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither there shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Band, you can come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for sending that little baby God that the world looks at and thinks is folly, thinks is stupid. But God, we know you shame the wise with simple things. And God, that little baby in the manger changed everything about our world. It gave us a hope that people can't understand. 
something that is eternal, that is so much bigger than all the dumb stuff we deal with in this world. God, we have something, we have real love. We have real love and we thank you for it. And we know that one day you're gonna finally come again, God, and you're gonna wipe every tear, every terrible thing that we've had to go through, the suffering, God. You're gonna wipe them away, Father, and wrap your arms around us and we're gonna experience a love like nothing else. We thank you and we love you. And all God's people said,